military state But boy, this life was meant for brothers That's Noam Tomashoff singing a new song from his musical called Our Little Secret, the 23andMe musical. He named the show after the DNA testing company at the center of a long-held family secret about his own birth. For 30 years, the Toronto actor and producer thought he was an only child raised by a Jewish family. His father is an Israeli-Canadian engineer and artist, and his mom, a doctor, actually an obstetrician and gynecologist, originally from Montreal. Tomashov attended a Jewish high school, Toronto's Tannenbaum Chat. He speaks Hebrew, he's visited Israel, and he's had a successful career making movies in L.A. But his whole life changed last summer. The reason? The 23andMe test he wanted to take just for fun while on holidays at the family cottage. But before he could even tear open the kit, his parents realized they'd better come clean about the truth of his ancestry before he found out for himself, which would be worse. So they told him how when they were young, they had fertility problems and they used an anonymous sperm donor in the United States, a non-Jewish donor. It was a wrenching conversation for everyone in the family and it took time for all of them to process what it meant for their relationship. Eventually, Tomashoff discovered he now has 35 half-siblings scattered around the world. There's a Facebook group, he's traveled to meet some of them, and now he's turned the whole story into a musical, which is debuting July 6th at the Toronto Fringe Festival. I I felt very alien to myself, Um, and I realized what a basic foundational piece of our identity is, is if we know who our parents are, that's something that sort of like, that's like a line of code that runs in the background of your brain when you wake up in the morning that like allows everything else to happen. But then you take part of that away and you, and it's, it's a quite a surreal feeling of like looking at your hands or looking in the mirror and being like, what is that? Who is this? I'm Ellen Besner and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, June the 27th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily. It's a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News sponsored by Metropia. Did you read the book by Danny Shapiro, the American author who, when she was in her 50s, discovered her Orthodox Jewish father was not her biological father? Well, she wrote a best-selling book about it called Inheritance. And Noam Tomashoff is doing something similar after the shock of learning his dad, Gideon, wasn't his biological father. But keeping the secret all these years has also been hard for Gideon because it meant confronting his own deep sadness as a young man when he couldn't have children. And for Noam's mother, Sylvie, who had converted to Judaism when she met Gideon, it was equally difficult because she had wanted to tell Noam the truth for years. Noam Tomashoff and his parents join me now from Toronto. Hello. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Great to meet you guys. What an incredible story. I'm so excited to hear more. Before we get into the specific play, I guess you guys need to introduce yourselves and why, you know, why we're here. Uh, Noam, just a couple of words about your background. Uh, I went to chat. I went to uh, Bialik before that. And in high school, me and my good friends, we were obsessed with musicals. This is Ryan Peters, Russell Citrin, Jeremy Chad, Ben Deverett. And we actually wrote a musical together at the end of high school. And we got covered in the CJN back in, I don't know, 2009, (laughs) which was amazing. And then I went on to theater school in New York and I went on to be an actor. And then I uh, did a film um, that came out last year and have been living in Los Angeles. Okay, so we'll turn on to Gideon. I was born in Israel. 
to a family of uh, Holocaust survivors. I, uh, in 1980, I met uh, Sylvie on a, in Europe. A few years later, we settled in, in Israel. Then we lived in the States where Noam was born in 1991. And we then moved to Canada. So we, we've been, Sylvie and I have been living in Canada since 1992. Well, I'm from Montreal, and uh, I uh, went uh, to Marinopolis Cijep, where I befriend where I, I'm French Canadian Italian, but I befriended uh, someone who's still my best friend, who was Jewish, and I became uh, very familiar with the Jewish community in uh, Montreal. And in fact, we traveled. Um, I, I then went to medical school. Uh, but after first year med school, that in those days, everybody went to Europe on the URL pass and she came with me. And uh, just on the last leg of that trip uh, on the boat between Greece and Italy is where I met Gideon. The rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wow. Uh, so Noam, I interrupted you. We were talking about how this project came to be and how you discovered about your family secret. Yeah, well, I had just come off that big three-year creative uh, project, and I was working on some other jobs, which were great to have, but also kind of, like, weren't exactly uh, sparking a ton of, like, creative fire. Um, and I was sort of looking for something to pique my interest. And I was chatting with this girl, who's now my girlfriend. She, she, me she mentioned 23andMe, the DNA test, a company that... And the thing that I had known about, I mean, it's pretty common, but I had never thought to actually do it because it was always so obvious to me what the results would be because we've always been so connected to the family. And like a, a couple of years ago, we went on like a roots trip to Austria and Slovakia and saw like where the Tomashovs come from and a graveyard with like hundreds of graves with our name on it. Like it was just, I didn't think I would get anything new from this test. Uh, so I never actually ordered it, but at that time I was, you know, I was, I was just like more inclined to just seeing, just fishing around for something, and and I googled it, and it was on sale, and the fact that it was on sale, I was like, you know what, fine, that's great, I'll, I'll finally order it, and I'll do it, and you know, it'll be interesting, and so I did that, and then later that day, I told my mom that I did that in passing, and it I was, it was odd to me that she was like weird about it. She was like, what? Why do you want to? You were like, why do you want to do that? And I said, what? Who cares? Like, it's, it's just interesting. I really just didn't think it would. And you, it, it should be just like a neutral thing. Well, we were on a hike. All right. On an island. And I was a little bit behind Noam. And he basically launched this little grenade at me. And I was like knew the ramifications and I was trying to be super casual and I said oh really do you think those are accurate like why do you need to do that in meantime you know my brain is going a million miles an hour thinking oh my god oh my god oh my god we got to tell him you know and I knew that Gideon's reaction would be very emotional and uh, and I was just trying to somehow handle this whole situation yes. so Basically, like he said, I let the day elapse as well. The whole time thinking, okay, okay, we got to do this. And uh, again, I, I knew nobody, you know, if we, if I told Gideon that at that point, nobody would sleep that night. 
So I elected to wait till first thing in the morning. And I was like, the, the attitude was so odd to me that they're like, we need to tell you something. I was like, oh. So you thought they oh. were getting divorced. Is that what they were telling oh. you, right? The top two were someone died <laughs> or I was in trouble. So I sat down at the table and it was, it was very tense and dramatic. And then like you, you all motioned for us all to hold hands. I was like, like we've never done this. What, what is this? Like, this, I have no idea. I'm very much on the edge of my seat. Like, and then he was the one who, who said it. Well, I just looked at Noam and told him uh, I'm not his biological dad. That uh, when Sylvie and I got married uh, 40 years ago, in, back in Israel, we tried to conceive the baby. We had problems. And after some investigation, it turned out that it was uh, it was me. Uh, a couple of years later, we moved to the U.S. Uh, to Connecticut, and there uh, Sylvie did her residency. I worked as a young young engineer, and then we we were thinking about adoption. But it turns out we we couldn't adopt uh, because we were none of us was an American citizen. And you, if you're not American, you cannot adopt. We're living in the states, so um, this was the only option for us. And Sylvie was conceived by uh, no. uh, an artificial insemination by an anonymous donor. But for all practical purposes, I was bad. We were told to keep it as a secret. Uh, you know, you get a catalog and it was very Spartan, basically height, weight, you know, things like that. Eye color, hair color. What's his uh, ethnic background? Religion, marital status, does he have kids? Profession. Special skills and interests. Yeah. You told him all this stuff that day at the kitchen ta- at the cottage table. And how did that go over, Noam? Was that a huge shock? Yes, I was completely shocked and sort of stupefied. And I was like sort of laughing. I was like, no way. Like, come on. Really, really? How, how can this be? I I never suspected such a thing. Um, and it was, in, in fact, like, I thought I was the least likely person for this to be true about. Because, like, my parent, like, he's so obviously my dad. Like, I speak Hebrew, like in a fluent way, because we always spoke Hebrew. Like, and, and sorry, by the way, this whole conversation was in Hebrew. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, one of my first questions was like, "Was this donor Jewish?" And they were like, "No." And I thought that was pretty surprising. Like, I, for my dad's so intense about like, you know, being part of the community. I was like, "Well, you accept like a non-Jewish donor." Well, there's a halachic reason why it's actually better. And I don't know if you guys know this or you probably do. So maybe you can tell us. Uh, The rabbis approve of um, AIH, it's called, right? And you're the expert, so you help me. But they also approve of donor if the better if the sperm donor is not Jewish, because it's not about wasting seed. They're okay with that. It's about, God forbid, later on in the next generation, you no, um, meet somebody who's a descendant of another of this donor that did a bunch of people, and then you have an incestuous, non-knowing incestuous relationship. Fascinating. So it's supposed to marry Jewish. Yeah, well. <laughs> so you hear this, you're like, no, it can't be. Then how did your identity get impacted by this? It's a lot to take take in. It's a lot to take in, but uh, yeah. So the initial phase is uh, is quite shocking, and basically, it's like. If you've eaten food your whole life, like pizza, and then today somebody tells you that stuff isn't cheese, you're like, what have I been eating? It was pretty crazy. And so, you know, 
it took us several weeks to just incorporate this understanding, this new fact into my like understanding of reality. And also to, to contend with the fact that it's at once a piece of trivia that doesn't change anything materially about life, but also one of the most fundamental facts about you as a person. And that initial phase of, you know, sort of dealing with the shock was also the time that I was waiting for the results of the 23andMe test. Yeah, and, and this month he was in LA, we were in Toronto. There, was that, that, there wasn't that much communication. We knew he was not a happy, you know, he was down. We were down. And then, and then one day we received a call from him. And already from the tone of his voice, I knew something happened. I knew he seemed excited. He seemed uplifted. He seemed the different norm, you know, wow. than, than in the past month. Yeah. I mean, I got the results of the 23andMe back. And I opened mine and the ancestry section was uh, 60 or so percent Irish. So that's clearly from the dad. I mean, I've always been like a big Anglophile. And of course, Ireland is Ireland. But just like, you know, English, Irish, music, culture, sports, Shakespeare, theater, comedy. Like that's been my thing. Is that because of this? Who knows? But it's just fun. Um, And then there was the 30 percent Italian from my mom. Um, so that all made sense. So it, it sort of ethnically, I'm this like consummate Catholic, Irish, <laughs> Italian, uh, zero, zero percent Jewish at all. You know, there was maybe like 1% of like Southern European broadly and unknown, but like no Jewish at all, which was crazy to think about. Um, but pretty quickly I was sort of, I was very comfortable with the understanding that like culture and community is taught like, okay, this, it's how you're raised. Like you're not born you know, in your DNA with a sort of community like that happens. So I didn't it wasn't really this crazy, um, you know, existential crisis regarding like the Jewish side of things. And I, other people certainly go through this. But to me, it just it was pretty easy to, to divide between the two. And then, of course, the next phase was going to the friends and family tab. This is where you see your DNA relatives. This is how we find out more. This is how we find out if we know who this dad is or if there are others like me. And it said you have 15 close relatives, which means they were half siblings. So there was a list, names, some of them had pictures. Um, and so I looked through the list and I found one who was recently active. She was like on the platform. So I thought she would answer me. And I messaged her and I said, hello, just found out we have the same biological father. This is all very new to me, but you're the first one I'm messaging. Like, let me know how it's all been. And then she answered me pretty quickly and she said, hello, Noam, welcome to the tribe. <laughs> there, there are at least 35 of us that we know of. Do we know who the dad is? And she said, yes, you look like him. <laughs> I was like, wow, this was before I'd seen a picture. And then pretty quickly, she invited me into the group and that's where all the information was. They all probably found each other around 2018, 19, but yeah, there's this whole group that exists and they had actually had a meetup in March. So like they all met up in Chicago. I think you, a lot of them are pretty musical and I am too. And then of course there was the information about the dad and he was really not your average donor. Your average donor is like a med student who does it while they're in school. This guy was an, a, 
grown up adult man with like a crazy career already and and that's when he and, he, and a family and and a family. so i was going to say he was a family man he was a father of biological kids in fact one of his children was in this facebook group and noam later met him and gathered a lot of information about him from his son and his kid my half brother is 60 i'm 60 i'm going to be 67 this guy is 19 years older than me How do you understand your parents' choice to not tell you until last year? Yeah, yeah, I, I understand it. That's why I wasn't so mad. Like, I was, I was appropriately peeved initially, just for the simple fact that there, there was this, like, secret for so long. But I couldn't think of an age where I wish I had known sooner. I think 31 is a great age to find out. Um, because you're old enough to deal with it properly, but not too old that it's too crazy to process. And, and to change your life. Right, because imagine your mother is an OBGYN and she can't have kids. That must have been so hard for you. It was very difficult. I mean, it started off in Israel, which, as you know, everybody has, I mean, it's the trend, not the norm to get married and have kids and have a lot of kids. And, you know, when you've been married a couple of years and, you know, people are not shy there. They're like, what's, what's going on? Why are you no children yet? What are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. That was one of the reasons we left, basically. It was very hard to deal with, yeah. And also, I come from a family of Holocaust survivors. I, uh, my father had two brothers. One was killed in a war in Israel, and one, um, you know, uh, committed suicide because of uh, what we believe is uh, heritage of trauma from World War II. And my, my father was one, I don't know if you know, the kinder transport. Of course, your father was on the kinder transport. My father was on the kinder with his two brothers. They, they're originally from Czechoslovakia, but they spent yeah. their warriors in England. Overall, it was a good experience. Uh, you know, it saved their life for sure. And then they moved to Israel and the parents actually survived, um, managed to get out of Europe just in the nick of time. And, but for six years, the parents were in Israel Or Palestine then, and the kids were in England. And so, and I had, I had one sister, I have one sister, and I felt, you know, not, not being able to have children would, would be an extreme blow to my uh, father or my mother. And so I didn't really tell them. And for years, I, I, we didn't tell them that we had a problem. And we, were, we moved to the States. It's only when Sylvie got pregnant that uh, we told them the truth. They knew. But, and everybody was extremely happy that Noam was coming. Um, they came to the States for the Brit. Sylvie's parents came from Montreal. It was a very happy moment. And uh, pretty soon we settled in Toronto with Noam. And Noam began his Canadian chapter. <laughs> Are you guys, have you been decided to go counseling or did you need counseling? <laughs> the creative process, you know, because to me it seemed like What I was given was uh, a number and an increasing number of huge new things to put in my head. And the chaos that might come from that would, would be if I had never taken the time to organize them and fit them into like the narrative of my life. So fitting them into the narrative of a musical was a huge part of the process of making it make sense. Like 
if you don't, if I didn't do anything like that, I, it, it still would have been quite like paralyzing to have all of this stuff in my head, but unorganized. So I didn't see an alternative to writing a musical. <laughs> uh, well, that's how artists, great artists created. So the answer is no, we have not had therapy. No. I want to end off by asking for advice from each of you, you know, now that you've been through this. So Noam, I'll start with you. What, what advice do you have for people um, in the process or considering doing this? Well, everyone's experience is different. And I've spoken to half siblings who, you know, I know of people in my group even who like don't want to know more and, and sort of don't want to hear about it, don't want to be in touch with people. In my case, I've always felt that more information is always better because the fewer secrets that exist within a family dynamic is better. The toll that it takes to keep a secret from people that you're meant to be close with is immeasurable. Thinking about yeah, some group of men who find themselves in my situation uh, at a young age, you know, when you're trying to bear children and you find that you can't, it's a pretty uh, lonely existence. It's, it's really hard to talk to anybody about it. <laughs> we had, we were so lucky with Noah. If this experience, uh, if you're asking me to give advice, I would say, go for it, you know? I, I mean, just do it. And then I say it out loud, if I could, meet that man and thank him, I'd go and, you know, kiss his hand because uh, he, he basically saved our life. So I have to say I was a proponent to telling him at a young age. I had read some information about, you know, kids, kids accept what you tell them. You tell them something, okay, they grew up with it. Um, but Gidon wouldn't hear of it and I had to compromise in some way. Um, I think in the end, it should be kept open. It's very tough. Like, when do you tell them? How do you tell them? You know, it's very tough. It causes a lot of stress and strife, I can say. And as for the 23andMe test, listen, you are. You're opening a Pandora's box, and I think it's it's uh, coming to light. I think a lot of people who be hearing your your words, all of you, would admire you for telling this story now because so many families are in similar situations, infertility or other circumstances. And maybe today there's less of a shunda, and I'm going to use that word, but that's, you know, what it was in those days. I, you know, something one didn't talk about, it was, it was embarrassing to the community. So I think people would be saying that you're brave to say this now. I don't know. How do you feel about seeing your story being told like what did you have to do to get ready to sort of tell it because it's not an easy thing even so many years later we went through 180 degrees you know um you know everything that happened until the moment that noam said that he was writing a play that he will mount the play in toronto in the french festival in the summer of 23 everything until that moment um was private you know still private and then once he announced, made this announcement, we realized that he's outing us, basically. You know, we, we, are, we have to start uh, telling our friends, a close circle friend and then a wider circle friends. And of course, anybody in the family who didn't know, we, we actually went in, back in April, two months ago, we 
flew three of us to Israel to tell Noam's first cousins. So, you know, uh, the first people we told was, was difficult. Uh, and then the next, next couple of friends, it was a little bit easier. And then on and on and on. And by now we, we have probably told all our friends and asked them to tell their friends and we to make it known, you know, so. You know, and when we told Noam, as he said, um, of course he was shocked, but he was so gracious. He said, oh, it doesn't matter, who cares, you know, like whatever. And yes, and then when he told us this little bombshell about this uh, play in Toronto, we realized that, you know, and, and actually what I want to say is his only, his main request was that's it, no more secrets. There'll be no more secrets. And we felt, okay, well, this is our comeuppance, you know, mm -hmm. like we just have to respect that and start to, it's very difficult. Some people are less difficult than others, but, and, and of course, the first ones were so awkward, but, you know, everybody without fail is like, wow, great story. Doesn't change anything. Let's move on, you know, <laughs> like and, people have been very accepting and you're right, you know, in this age of two moms and two dads and. So it's so, it's so much more acceptable, but it was it was certainly we felt that you know it was a very closely yeah. guarded secret yeah. for so many yeah. years. And now I'm, yeah. I want to say Noam uh, is uh, reciprocating by <laughs> keeping the the show itself. We haven't seen it. Noam is keeping it a secret from us. <laughs> <laughs> He's keeping his uh, cards very close. We'll see the first uh, performance on July six. Um, we can't wait. And bring um, Kleenex. <laughs> we think it's a great way for um, him and us to deal to deal with this. This is a great vehicle. This writing the play. It's a great idea. It's, it's, it's therapeutic uh, for everybody. In what you're totally, saying. Totally. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Jody Bell's Pasternak. And we'll end with a quick note that I'm out on an exciting reporting assignment on Tuesday, so we won't have a show on Wednesday. We'll be back Thursday, as usual, right here on the CJN Daily. By the way, if you missed the video of the problems at the Zionist building at 788 Marley Avenue in Toronto, the video is now up on our CJN YouTube channel. It's a must-see. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.